0: I wonder if we take for granted that we're going to be here next Sunday too. Life is so uncertain. I attended a funeral this week. <coughs> what I would have to say is one of my best friends, not that we met very often, but I've known I knew him for 56 years. And I was reminded of what Paul says, that there are many teachers, but there's few fathers. He was 91 years old, and he was a true father. And we need fathers. Younger people need fathers to be able to listen, to be a father. What I found very interesting was a couple of weeks ago, I went to visit him in the nursing home, which I'm glad that I did, not knowing how long he had left. I knew he was near the end. But when I went in and said hello to him, I said, Mac, you know, we've known each other for 56 years. And that stuck with him. He taught me how to run a printing press. He was a large man. I mean, his one arm was like the size of one of my legs. He was big and he was strong. And now here he was in his last days as weak as water. He was so weak I couldn't hear what he was saying. And I, when I greeted him, the next thing he did was he turned to his wife and he said something, and I thought I could barely make it out, and it was, pull the curtain. So there's a curtain between him and the next bed. <clears throat> and I'm thinking, oh, Mac, you know, this is part of old age. His mind isn't thinking, what's the reason for this? And his wife said, it's okay, Mac. Everything's okay. After a bit, he says to me, Dave, would you pull the curtain? And I just barely could hear him. I said, it's okay, Mac. It's all right. Just leave it. You know, there's somebody else in the next bed. After a bit, he turned to his wife to say something. I couldn't make it out at all. I said, Marge, could you interpret what Mac's saying? She says, yes. He's saying, Dave, I want you to pray with me. I said, oh, Mac, yeah, definitely. I've got that in my mind. I'm going to pray with you. But right now... The person from the other bed is in the washroom, which was next to Max's bed. <clears throat> I said, well, wait until everything's clear. And when that was cleared and he was taken back to his side and the curtain is still closed, the nurse was finished looking after that person, came through to say goodbye to Max. She was off for the weekend. And he says, nurse, would you pull the curtain? So she says, you want the curtain pulled? He says, yes, I want the curtain pulled. So she pulled the curtain, he turns to me and says, Dave, okay, you start. I knew, without even having to ask him, I knew him so well, Dave, there's somebody in the next bed that needs to hear about the Lord. You pray. I prayed briefly, and when I opened my eyes, the wife didn't look to be too pleased with what had happened, but her husband who was the neighbor to Mac, smiled and thanked me very much. Which made me think, as we read through the Scriptures, there's times throughout the the Scriptures, throughout the Bible, where God pulls the curtain back for a moment of time. And we see something of the future. And He began very first in the Garden of Eden, when man sinned. And He pulls the curtain back And he says to the serpent, the seed of the woman is going to crush your head. And that transpired at the cross of Christ. Go forward a few years and he calls Abraham from Ur of the Chaldeans. And God's purpose in calling Abraham was, he says, you are going to be the father of many nations. And they will be blessed through you looking forward to the time that the nations would be blessed. Now, looking forward, about 2,150 years hence, what he said to Abraham came to pass. Today we're going to have a look at one of these other times when the curtain is pulled back from Isaiah chapter 9. If you want to turn in your Bibles in verse 6. Unto us a child shall be born, to us a son shall be given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Sadie read from Luke chapter 1 of Luke of uh, Luke chapter 1 the last two verses that she read speaks of this one that would come conceived of a woman his name would be called Jesus he will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. So a child, the birth of a child, and the reign of a son, unto us a child shall be born. What is this reference to? This is reference to the first advent. A child shall be born and this was prophesied through the Old Testament and Luke records this an angel of the Lord stood before the shepherds and the glory of the Lord shone round them and they were greatly afraid then the angel said to them do not be afraid for behold I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all the people for There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The prophecy of Isaiah came to pass right on time. The prophecy that Daniel gave regarding this time, looking forward 490 years from the time that Daniel was writing, and behold we find the crucifixion. The prophets of old prophesied about his first coming and every single one of those prophecies have come to pass and Jesus himself came as a man. So, who is this child? Whoop. <clears throat> Paul, in writing to Timothy, says, He, that is God, was made visible in human flesh. I wonder when we, at Christmas time, become enamored with the child, the baby that is born, stop to consider who that child was. This is one of the most amazing things and the greatest thing that has happened on this earth, is that God Himself became a man. Don't ask me to explain it. That's, lo- that's far above what I'm able to even begin to try and explain. That the very God Himself who created us took upon Himself a human form. That babe that was born was born to die. We need to consider that. What impact does it have on our life? Any? I'd like to refer you to what Paul writes to the Philippians. He says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think it equality with God was something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. The King James says, made himself of no reputation. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself. In obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross, therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth, and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, to of the glory of the Father. Imagine for a moment, the one who inhabited eternity chose to come down and enter into time, into the world that he had made, can hardly take that in. The God of eternity stepped into time. Why? Because he loved you and he loved me. And he had a plan. That plan began before the world was ever created. And when he was here, Jesus said in his prayer in John 17, He says he wanted us to see the glory and to go back to that glory that he had along with the Father before the world was. The very God who inhabited eternity, the very God who created this world and everything that is in in it, as well as ourselves. He created everything, everything holds together by Him. If we think things are falling apart today, Focus your attention on Jesus Christ. Everything is being held together by him. We wouldn't be sitting here today if it wasn't that one who inhabited eternity stepped into time. And why did he do that? God himself came to accomplish his own purposes. We might have plans. We might have purposes. And we might want somebody else to execute it, but God's plan was so great, there was no one else but Him that could actually make it happen. And God humbled Himself. And here we see He was born a child. The very God of the universe humbled Himself. And in that, When you see and you read what the angel said to Mary, that which will be conceived in you shall be called the Son of God. Did you realize this was the basis on which we can now say that Christ lives in us? He came to live. God himself as a babe came to live within Mary. And the amazing thing is that God Himself has come to live within us that have believed in Jesus Christ as Savior. This is the importance of what we're looking at here. A child shall be born. But as I read Philippians 2, I don't know about you, but I feel that I fall far short. The one who was God humbled himself. The one who, after having humbled himself and became a man, came in the form of a child. After that, he humbled himself again, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. We need to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. My wife's been gone three years plus now. And nobody here remembers her. Our time on earth is limited. And if I went to be with the Lord this week, it wouldn't take long. And you would forget all about me. And yet, do I have this mind that Jesus Christ had to humble myself, become of no reputation. We look for reputation, we look for identity to the things that we do, when it should be we have the mind of Christ to humble ourselves, and in the due time we will be exalted. God is the one that exalts, God's the one that puts down, but He also exalts, but He only exalts those who are humble before Him, and walk in nearness to God, that God is going to use. We need people like that in our day. We need people that have had a history with God, that they know no matter how difficult the times are, that we can say, bottom line, God is faithful. We know it by experience. And here is God himself becoming flesh, and understanding And knowing what we go through. And he's able to sympathize with us as our high priest. In whatever we go through. Help us through the difficult times. Many in this room are going through and have gone through difficult times. Remember, that child that was born was God himself. That's his first advent. It goes on to say that a son was born, or was given. That is, he, ha- he was given as a gift. Jesus was given as a gift. That son was a gift to us by God. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. We're looking at the second advent already. And as you go through the scriptures including the one that Sadie wrote, read this morning from Luke 1. You find the two of them juxtapositioned beside each other. We have the coming child that is born to take away the sins of the world, but immediately upon that, we find that he's coming again, and he's going to reign as king. And here we have already included in this declaration, he's coming again. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There shall be no end to the increase of his government and of peace. He shall rule on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from that time forward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish it. The promise of his first coming was fulfilled. What about the promise of his second? God has promised, and he's going to fulfill it. This is the time that the Apostle Paul was referring to when he says, there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me which the Lord, the righteous righteous judge, will give to me on that day not only to me, but all those who love his appearing. His appearing, when he comes finally, every eye shall see him, and those that have pierced him will look upon him, mourn for him as an only son. He's coming again to reign. And they put in, first of all, he comes as a child. Had he not come as a child, he could never come to reign. The whole situation with sin needed to be dealt with. And it was dealt with at his first advent. Setting the basis on which his second will come about and be true. This has not happened yet. If it has, show me. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this in my years. And I don't think if you look through history you've ever seen anything like this. He's going to set up this kingdom that's going to last forever. The Old Testament prophecy has been fulfilled. That's regarding his first coming. And Isaiah says, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. You will call his name Emmanuel. The Lord himself will give you a sign. There are those in Israel that were not looking for a sign. But Simeon and Anna were. They were looking for the consolation of Israel along with a few others. Possibly not many. But his name shall be called Emmanuel. Matthew then shows us that this was fulfilled. An angel, which was Gabriel of the Lord, appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary your wife for that which is conceived in her Is of the Holy Spirit, and she shall bring forth a son. You will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, being translated God with us. Can you think of a greater privilege than to have God himself living among us? Emmanuel, God with us. Those that are believers are the only ones that have come into the appreciation of this. God is living among us. If he's living among us, let's see him. And it's depending on you and I, each of us individually, through whom Jesus can shine to the world and our love towards one another. This is God with us. But Christ's coming kingdom, because of the cross, because of the cross, we can be certain that the prophecy concerning Jesus Christ's coming kingdom will be fulfilled as well. He set up the basis on which that kingdom will be established. It will be established in righteousness. We have no righteousness apart from Jesus Christ. But the moment we believe by faith, God declares us righteous. And there will be those that will reign with Christ when he sets up this kingdom. As far as I can see, there's two groups. There's those that suffer with him, and there's those that are martyrs will reign with Christ. Are you one of the ones that is suffering with Christ? Is it possible that any of us here could be martyred? They will reign, live and reign with Christ. That kingdom will be established, but it's based on the fact that the work of God, the work of Christ on Calvary has been completed in order that that kingdom can be set up. God, looking down through time then, through the prophetic writings, declared this was a child that was going to be born. But immediately upon it, knowing that that would be fulfilled at the cross, he's able to declare there's a coming kingdom that will have no end. And we're going to be part of that. Just imagine what that was going to be like. I can hardly imagine takes my mind back. I didn't intend to say this, but it takes my mind back. I was in my 20s. Forgive me if I've said this before, but there was someone that I looked up to and at that point in time. He was in his 80s. I was in my 20s. And he came from Staten Island, New York. And I asked him if he would drive up and stay with us as long as he could because I wanted to learn from him. He'd ministered all over the world. And the one night he turned to me and he says, Dave... He says, during the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ, how many cities are you going to reign over? I think, oh, give me a break. <laughs> me? He says, Toronto? Oh, no, 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 not Toronto. Oh, what about Woodstock? Ah, I don't think so. He says, what about Beechville? Oh, maybe. And I did say this before, John, because I... Was looking to you because he was a banker. So he had all these figures in his mind. I wish I, I'm going to have to write them down someday. So he says, Okay, how many's in Beachville? And I said, I don't know. Let's say it's a thousand people. Okay. That's going to be for a thousand years. How many generations is that? How many in each generation? By the time you calculated it near the end of the thousand years, I'm reigning over something in the millions. And we don't realize that this is a coming kingdom. It was promised in the Old Testament. His first coming was promised. His second coming, when he sets up his kingdom, has been promised. And this is the news, the good news of Christmas. He came, first of all, to save sinners. Micah says this, he says, As for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, From you one shall come forth for me who will be ruler in Israel. His goings forth, or his appearances, are from long ago, from ancient days. His beginning was not the moment he was born here as a babe in Bethlehem's manger. He was before all. He was the one that created everything. Everything holds together because of him. So Micah is is prophesying regarding this. He's going to be the ruler of of Israel. This then takes us back to Daniel. And Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar's dream at the end of it, it says, the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Those of you that have studied Daniel this year will remember that. Daniel chapter 2 then Goes on to say, In the days of these kings, this is at the end of time, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to another people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Daniel 7 says, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven, he came to the Ancient of Days and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory in a kingdom that all peoples, nations and lang- languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away in his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. The one who came and suffered for us is coming to reign And he will reign with a rod of iron. There will be no one that's going to complain about his rule of righteousness. There will be righteous judgment in those days. We don't see it in our day. But in those days, it will. So where are we right now? We have the first advent. We're looking at the second advent. Where are we? We're living in between those two events. So Paul writes in Ephesians 3, Though I, Paul, am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mystery, mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan which he carried out through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're living in the in-between time and God is carrying out his plan. This time in which we are, which we call the age of grace, God has planned this. You don't hear much of it in, the, in Scripture. But as we read Scripture, we realize that this is where we are. What was God's eternal plan? For now, in our age, it's so that those heavenly beings would see the, all various wisdom of God. God in His wisdom had designed a plan. And that plan knowing that sin was coming into the world, would be answered through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That we could receive salvation through Him. We would receive the Holy Spirit. That we could live a living, abundant Christian life. What was God's eternal plan? Revelation chapter 21, John writes, I, John For the former things have passed away. God's plan from the beginning was to live with mankind. He wants to communicate with you and I. That's His grand plan. And it will be accomplished one day. When there will be no one that will say that they don't know the Lord, they will know Him from the least to the greatest because He's coming as ruling as King. Everyone will know Him. God's overall plan was an order that He would dwell with us. So why does the Lord delay His coming? The reason is God wants as many people as He can possibly have to be able to share Himself with in a time yet to come. He doesn't delay His coming. He's long-suffering. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you're here this morning and you have not made that decision, today is the day in which to do it. A child then was born to die for sinners. A son was given that God might live among his people. <laughs> Why is this important? Because understanding God's purpose in creating mankind is essential to the study of scriptures. If you realize God's overall plan and you begin to read other scriptures that may become obscure and you're wondering what they mean, fit them into the plan. He has a plan. The plan was the first advent. He would be made manifest in flesh. The second advent, he will set up a righteous government on this earth. Fit everything else in between that. And you'll see that the scriptures tie themselves in together to these two events. And when I think of this, I can't help but think of that old hymn. Understand um, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. He realized the greatness of God's love in sending His Son. That God Himself became incarnate and took on Himself the flesh and being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. What a God we serve. What a God of love. God is love. No question. He thought of us before time. I'm just wondering. Just as John comes up to play this piece, the next piece, which is... What is it? It's um, Come Thou Long-Expected Jesus. Everyone stand... And we'll sing a cappella together. Just that chorus. Oh, come, let us adore him. And then we'll sing it through again. And we'll say, we'll praise his name forever. <clears throat> oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord, we'll praise his name. Oh.